Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Misaligned. As you know from our previous regular episode, if you've listened already, Caitlin is no longer doing the podcast. She decided to take some time away from the internet, which unfortunately also included this. So today it is just Megan and I. We're going to discuss a few stories today and then we have a couple of announcements more so just one bigger announcement and then I have a few little things to add but anyway how are you doing to it doing today Megan <laughs> oh I'm great minus the fact that we're now getting hit with whatever's left of that tropical storm that was hitting the east coast that sounds not fun well given the fact that uh Let's see, in the month of May, it's rained pretty much the whole month, except for like two nice days. I'm a little bummed about that. I can imagine. <laughs> I see. Just continue on with the uh, talk about the weather theme from last week or the last podcast. You <laughs> I know. know. <laughs> Fires, storms, we got it all covered on Misaligned, guys. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Awesome. Well, one of the topics we wanted to discuss today was the fact that Modern Baseball has a hotline for their upcoming tour and they've implemented a gender-neutral bathroom policy, which, after reading some of these articles that Megan put in the Google Doc, I think she is probably more suited to kind of explain this topic because it's something, obviously the hotline is pretty simple to understand, but I'm not entirely up-to-date on this whole gender-neutral bathroom policy. I know I've read a little here and there about it, but Megan, you seem much more educated on this than I am. You know what? We're moving into an age where gender-neutral bathrooms are becoming a hot-button topic. It's actually been in the news a lot with what's going on in North Carolina and the fact that 11 states are suing the Obama administration for, I guess, Obama's views and statement on bathroom should be pretty much safe spaces for everyone regardless of how they identify with their gender and it's just a topic that's becoming more and more involved in the news that when you're not listening to things being said about trump or hillary it's bathrooms you hear stories of creepy men actually preventing some women from entering bathrooms because they think that they're actually men it's dumb and people should be able to use the bathroom in peace no matter how they identify small rant aside the gender neutral bathroom policy is great i applaud the modern baseball team for having that especially since it's not something enacted at every single venue just yet i know that in richmond one of my favorite venues is strange matter And they actually have gender-neutral bathrooms and have had gender-neutral bathrooms for at least as long as I've been going there. They've labeled them as stalls and stands, which I think is great. That way you won't mistakenly, or I should say drunkenly, enter the wrong bathroom. You won't... They both will make you feel comfortable. Overall, it's not terrible. I like that they have that policy. In fact, they even said in February of this year that their bathrooms are 100% gender-neutral. So for them to say that in February, this is long before this debate even took off. Um, But going back to the band thing, Powerbottom actually implemented a gender-neutral bathroom policy quite some time ago. And I think that both Ben and Liv 
have set a precedent of some sort for bands to consider um, for future tours. I know that Fusion actually had a great article a few months ago about why the power bottom gender neutral bathroom policy is important. And in that article, they said that a 2013 Williams Institute survey found that 70% of respondents, which is a very, very high number, right. uh, reported having been denied access, were verbally harassed or physically assaulted, all because they had tried to use a public restroom that corresponded with their gender identity. If you look at the news right now, especially with North Carolina, I keep bringing up North Carolina because, honestly, that's the one state that's just come under fire. Yeah, and a lot of artists have been canceling shows specifically in North Carolina because of their... HB2. Yeah. Because of HB2. Because of their views and their laws they're trying to pass. And I believe even, you know, Bruce Springsteen canceled a show there, which is obviously a huge blow for the venue he was supposed to perform at because, you know, obviously that would be a ton of money for them and I'm sure for the city in general. But I had a quick question for you. You mentioned the stalls and stands bathrooms at your venue. So basically, obviously, stalls are more what women use, right? So basically, that would be the bathroom for people who identify as women, are women, that sort of thing. And then the stands would obviously be the men's restroom or the people who identify as men. Is that how that's I believe so. Okay. Um, I can honestly say that I've only used the stalls bathroom because I really enjoy the graffiti in there. (laughs) (laughs) But also because that's the one I feel comfortable with. I'm not one of those ladies that can actually somehow squat into a urinal i know it's been done it's an impressive yeah that just sounds strange as far as you know how we naturally go to the bathroom right right (laughs) i applaud those that can actually do that though that that would be a cool cool little thing to know particularly if um the bathrooms for females are full and say you need to go to the men's room instead where They might actually have nothing but urinals, which is actually the case in some bathrooms. Right. But to go back, people have been using bathrooms that don't correspond with their gender identity for years, for generations, even back when my mom was a teenager. A lot of women will pull the, oh, I'm pregnant thing and need to use the bathroom right away and will say, I'll just use the men's room because usually there's no line. So there's that. Um, let's see. What else is there? Oh, yes. But with what Power Bottom has started, both Ben and Liv, um, let me pull up Liv's Twitter statement. They released a statement about why this is important. As a queer rock band, they ran into issues in Philadelphia where the bathrooms were labeled as boobs and balls. Some of their fans don't have boobs. Some of their fans don't have balls. It's how do you know which one to go to in that case? And also the venue said that they did have a gender neutral bathroom, but it wasn't easily accessible, which is the other problem. Right. Um, Nobody wants to go to a bathroom that's like out of the way that they don't even know exists. So back in February, yes, February is when the power bottom team released the statement 
they said that they want to ensure the safety and comfort of all patrons of all gender identities. So for that evening, that specific evening that they're playing, they would like the bathrooms to be gender neutral. If and only if, that's the big part of this statement, the gendered and gender neutral bathrooms will be equally accessible to attendees and within similar range of the stage. So basically, they went out and said, we have a gender neutral bathroom. It's just up a flight of stairs, unlit stairs in the back of the venue. Doesn't cut it. Like, that's ridiculous, honestly. And oh, right. Continuing on, if the venue has any objection to this, it is their responsibility to make this known to Power Bottom no later than one week prior to the event. In the event that the venue is unwilling or unable to provide gender-neutral restrooms, Power Bottom reserves the right to inform attendees of this over social media, as Power Bottom fans will be expecting gender-neutral restrooms at Power Bottom shows. So basically, it goes down to safety. And that's Ultimately, what modern baseball is starting to do is they have all seen there are still some issues in our scene. Terrible, terrible issues. They want fans to be safe and comfortable at the shows, which is a great step forward. And honestly, I hope to see more bands taking stances like that because it's, it's really something that should be open for discussion. And I'm actually very surprised that more bands aren't taking this route. I mean, going back to what you said about bands canceling in North Carolina, one of the artists that performed in North Carolina against me was an interesting uh, choice to continue their show in North Carolina. Laura Jane Grace actually got up on stage, burnt her uh, birth certificate, and basically said, down with gender. Which, huge, huge move right there. Right. I think that by Laura Jane Grace taking that stand against what this dumb, dumb, and I am honestly just so fed up with the news about this, but the dumb bill, that's great. There's no reason that bands shouldn't boycott North Carolina because it's not the venue's fault that the governor and the politicians are just, well, I should probably not rant about politicians on a podcast (laughs) but it's not the venue's fault and it's not the fans fault they really shouldn't be punished for what the governor has signed but anyway i should move on before i really just start ranting about bathrooms all things to be ranting about in (laughs) 2016 wow way to just say the wrong year (laughs) well you mentioned you know the problems we've been having in our scene. So before we move on, just real quick, you know, we've had all of these alleged assaults and assaults that have been proven to happen. Do you think that for the most part, you know, women will stick to the bathrooms with the stalls, commonly known as the women's restroom, and the men will most likely, you know, stick to the bathrooms with the urinals? Because, you know, they're they're obviously not going to want to wait in line just to go use a stall like we have to do typically. So do you think that this is going to be a concern on that front? Or do you think it's just a way of saying, hey, you know, we accept everyone. If someone identifies as a woman, they can go use that bathroom and someone as a man, they can go use that bathroom instead of, you know, just kind of a free for all in the bathrooms. Honestly, I don't think there will be any problem. 
I mean, like I said before, people have been using bathrooms that don't correspond with their gender identity for generations. Even in cases where bathrooms can be crowded and kind of gross, honestly. But most venues. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is very true, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I could rant about cleanliness of bathrooms, but I don't think it will really be a problem because it's just whatever you're comfortable with using. And there shouldn't be an argument about why you should be comfortable in the bathroom. That was the case. I would be over here suggesting that we have like heated toilets because those are really nice. <laughs> I can say this from experience because it was a mistake at the hotel I once stayed at where their water lines were crossed and hot water was actually filtering into the toilet. So you had the steam rising up. It's like butt luxury right there. Right. And I mean, sure, there are two different styles of toilets. Technically three, if you count the bidet with all its fancy additions, that <laughs> is not a water fountain. I have friends that were younger that actually thought a bidet was a water fountain. Ugh. But I don't know. It's just weird. And I think in this day and age, a lot of venues will actually be open to the gender neutral policies. They will be open to having people be more comfortable. And I think that in the alternative scene specifically, that's not going to be a problem at all. Right. I mean, sure, modern baseball is playing at some pretty big venues on this Holy Ghost tour. And sure, I can see some people putting up a fit about it. But at the same time, they want fans to be safe and comfortable. And ultimately, that's what's important. I mean, that's also why they have the hotline. Right. They're putting their fans' safety and comfort first. And I should probably talk about the hotline for a little bit, too. This is actually something that was started by Speedy Ortiz back in the fall for their fall tour, which, when this broke, it was incredible to see. I think more bands should also, besides having gender-neutral bathroom policies, should also have hotlines where fans can get into touch with everyone everyone being the tour manager, the venue security, to make sure that they're having a good, safe time. In fact, the video that the Modern Baseball crew released with the announcement of their hotline was pretty great. It featured monsters. doesn't even feature people. It features monsters. (laughs) Right, yeah. And the Modern Baseball dog in a safety vest. Like, I'm all for the Modern Baseball safety dog. Yeah, and it was definitely a fun video to basically promote the hotline. And, you know, it specifically says, you know, this number will go to our tour manager. So, you know, someone who is working closely with the band is going to be the one helping the fans out and everything. And it's not just going to be some, you know, like random third party person. Right. And if my friend never got back to me, because that's just how Jake is. Um, but I believe my friend Jake, who's been working with the Modern Baseball crew for quite some time now, is still their tour manager. I asked him if he was still the tour manager, so I wouldn't mess this up today, but he never got back to me. So I'm just (laughs) going to go ahead and say, yes, he is still their tour manager. He is great. I have known him for 12 years and specifically in the last few years, he's taken on the tour manager duty. And I feel like he is a great person to be a liaison between fans and the venue security. He's great at what he does. And I'm glad that they're going to put him in contact 
with venue security. And I mean, some venues have rent a cops, which is weird. Right. But other venues legitimately do have some solid security guards. So to have this team of the manager and the security guards, I think that's great. Even though it sounds weird for some shows that are at small venues, but it ultimately goes back to let's have our fans be safe. Let's have them be comfortable. And the safety is because there's been so many alleged assaults between fans getting beaten up or female fans feeling uncomfortable because of some creepy guys in the crowd or even just, well, what was it, last year's incident with Joyce Manor talking about uh, crowd surfers? Right. That one, it boils down to let's, let's be safe. And I think this helps prevent a lot of venues from having people claim liability. It's weird. You can post signs all over the venue that say, hey, we do have security here. Or, hey, please don't crowd surf for the safety and well-being of others. But people will still ignore it. So the fact that they have this to say, hey, I want you to feel safe. I want you to feel comfortable. If you are not comfortable at all, just text this number and we will get back to you. It's like what Speedy Ortiz did, which is great. In fact, Speedy Ortiz also had it as an iMessage. I'm not sure if the modern baseball number is an iMessage or not, but I do know that they had an email address that could be reached as well. And I do like that they said, hey, just give us your first name, your details as to where you are in the venue, and we will try to be there, like, right away. Right. Which I think could actually would be a great policy to have for bigger venues, especially. I mean, small one-room venues, sure, sometimes you get packed in there like sardines and sometimes just limbs fly. Mm -hmm. But in bigger venues where there is the need for more security or the need for more space, I guess, for lack of a better term, I think that would be a good idea. Or like venues that are more than one floor. Yeah, because, you know, oftentimes you have venues that have two, three different rooms in them based on the size of the band that's playing. Like, when I go see Modern Baseball this week, they're playing at the Observatory, which inside also has the Constellation Room, which is the smaller room right when you walk into the venue. So it's like there you have two different sections, so you'll likely need, you know, more security up for the observatory, which is a bigger space than you would in the Constellation Room, which probably only holds a few hundred people, maybe. It's not a huge room by any means. Mm-hmm. And I actually just had a thought about this. I am actually genuinely curious to know if the safety hotline extends to after the show. Sometimes shows are in kind of sketchy areas. And sometimes, I hate to say it's just a female thing because I'm sure there are some guys that would feel uncomfortable walking back to their cars by themselves at night. But as a girl, I mean, it's it's something you always have in the back of your mind. Like, I know whenever I go out to shows, my mother, bless her heart, always tells me, if you're in an area where you're unfamiliar, you should ask someone to walk you to your car if you are far away. Right. 
it's it's one of those like will the security walk you to your car after the show if you text that number i feel like that's something that should be asked or at least addressed right and i would say that as long as the band is still at the venue you could more than likely still text the tour manager and you know hopefully he would respond in time you know it also depends on what he's doing because it's likely that his only job isn't going to be the hotline he is a tour manager after all Mm -hmm. so it likely depends on what he's doing you know after the show ends because you know with modern baseball they'll be getting all their gear and probably you know planning how they're getting to the next location for the next show and everything which is a lot of what a tour manager does when you're on the road you know kind of like all right who's going to be at this show what do we need that sort of thing but i would think that if you are still at the venue and even if it's after the show you're maybe hanging around and then you decide, all right, time for me to head out. But maybe I should text the hotline and see if that is something they'll do. I feel like that's the only way we'll really know unless, you know, we go ask the band directly or the tour manager directly if that is something they plan on doing even after the set is over. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's terrible to say that in 2016, we should have to fear walking to our cars by ourselves at night but it's it's very much a real threat and sure like you can carry pepper spray with you or you can carry some incognito weapons but it's is it really gonna help it's all that right and i mean it really depends on what venues you're going to if the venue is big enough to where they have their own parking lot typically you know they'll have someone out there or especially in la where the venue's don't necessarily have their own parking lots and you have to go park like pay to park basically there's typically someone working and in the case of the observatory they have quite a few people working in the parking lot area because where the observatory is it's like a big business area all around it it's actually like in the same parking lot as my doctor (laughs) so it's in a big business area and once you know, everyone goes home from work, it basically becomes a paid parking lot for the observatory. So they have, you know, someone taking money at the front. They typically have at least a few guys or women telling you kind of, you know, directing you of where to park your car. This way people aren't kind of wasting parking spaces and that sort of thing. You just park one right after the other. So it also really depends on like you said if the venue is in a sketchy area or that sort of thing or if it's in a parking lot where there's no one you know working there or attending it exactly i mean i've lucked out where i've gone to shows and i've at least been within eye distance of the venue or within sight of the band Um, A lot of times I go to shows and interview bands and end up leaving when they leave. In the case of last Thursday, well, this this past Thursday, I should say, I was up in D.C. interviewing a band and I parked in a parking garage about a block and a half from the venue. However, the area that it was in has become so gentrified that it's become a busy hub 
and a well-lit hub at that. Yeah. And the parking garage had a security guard. So I knew that if I had parked pretty deep in that garage, I could have just walked up to the security guard and asked him to escort me to my car. Right. But since I parked within pretty much sight distance of the door to the garage, I knew I was okay. And plus there were still, there were actually people working, like groups of people working to clean out the parking garage as it was after hours. Yeah. And, you know, in major cities, a lot of the times too, it's the same parking companies basically that have, you know, 10 to 15 parking garages with, you know, people working and cleaning them up around the clock, basically. So with situations like that, you tend to not have to worry about it as much. And like you mentioned, well-lit places, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also weird. D.C. is, strangely enough, a city that I just feel comfortable in. But then again, I feel comfortable in most big cities. Right. Which is weird. Because you wouldn't expect that, but I do. Um, so, yeah, it, it just boils down. Let's have everyone be safe. I think this ultimately ties back into shows should be safe places, which I think we started to discuss a little last time. Right. I know we've discussed it at length before in another podcast because shows honestly should be for everyone of all ages. Also, because sometimes over 21 shows are a little weird and you just get a weird crowd. Yeah. And I mean, for the most part, I think certain venues have to do that based on, you know, whatever liquor license they have and that sort of thing. So sometimes with bars, it has to be 21 plus because I know most of the all ages venues I go to just don't have anything like that at all. Unless it's, you know, like a house of blues where it's also a restaurant. Exactly. So, I don't know. I feel like this is something that could just be talked about for the longest time. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully this will start a change within the scene. It's sad that 2016 is the year that we're really starting to push forward on the talking about safety and well-being at venues. But it's a start. It's a positive start. And I'm actually really glad to see that. Right. Which is actually... This could be used as an interesting segue into our next topic, which is about Candy Hearts. Not sure if you paid attention to the tweet storm that happened earlier this week. I had a few friends in that tweet storm, so... Ah, yes. I did see quite a bit of it, so then, you know, I went and looked at a couple of the statements and kind of tried to get a feel for what they were talking about. Yeah. I mean... I read Zach Chad's statement. For those of you who don't know who Zach Chad is, he is the former tour manager of a little band called Seaway and is also Mariel from Candy Hearts' ex. Now, it should be noted that when she talked about the allegations, she said that she was physically and emotionally abused by Seaway's tour manager. And she had just just, I don't know, was fed up and wanted to bring it to light. And her statement says that it happened on tour in front of a line full of people at Seaway's merch. Right. In fact, in her initial statement, I don't think I saw anything about her dating the guy. 
In fact, I'm rereading the statement now, and I don't think there's any mention whatsoever. It is a very violent allegation where he threw things at her head, pushed her, screamed in her face, um, threw stuff at her stomach, ultimately just causing a huge scene. Right. But she was terrified. And, you know, as a small girl, I kind of get where she's coming from because most of the guys that I've encountered in the scene are kind of big, especially within, like, the band's friends themselves. Yeah. They just get these big beefy guys. Um, I know I couldn't fight back against them. But, right, she didn't want to make a big deal after it happened, which was about 10 months ago. And she didn't speak up because she was thinking about CY. She was thinking about how it would kind of suck to not have someone running their merch in the middle of a tour. Um, So it's interesting. It's also interesting that she says most of the very few people who knew what happened didn't want to take sides, Um, which you actually see a lot of people doing. Like, for example, right now in the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard case, which I'm not even not even going to talk about that in detail it's just what happens i guess i don't know with divorce so not in all cases obviously but right. in this particular case i guess that's what's happening well let's see yes as of her initial statement which came out six days ago she said that as of that time he was still working for the band and i should also say that he was also doing tour managing stuff for candy hearts i do like that she said it is never ever okay to lay a finger on another person even if they're a girl infiltrating your little circle of fun-loving bro dudes at a pop punk show this is true violence is never the answer and i've said this time and time again um it's not okay to beat people up it's even worse to beat people up if they are a female who can't defend themselves but right yes apparently he called her a crazy girl whose band was terrible and he wanted to ruin her career and actually, let's see. No, no mention whatsoever about them dating or having a romantic history. Which is an interesting detail to just leave out both times. I think initially it wasn't relevant. Right. I, I don't think it's relevant to say, hey, we were dating at the time. This is what happened. I will note that she said sexual assault did not happen. This is just purely physical and emotional. Yeah. And I do like that she said, why does no one stand up for the girls in our scene and make it almost impossible to stand up for ourselves? It's true. The only people I have seen actually come to defend girls in the scene are other girls and people who identify as female. I haven't seen a lot of the uh, pop punk bros kind of speak up about this thing. Right. Especially ones that consider themselves fans of the band. But right, a few days after that, which I think Thursday, this was on Thursday, Alt Press published um, Zach Chad's statement about what was going on. And his statement was actually really well written. I'll admit that. Zach goes on to say, The irresponsible use of media creates a mob mentality that demands a head on a stick over the first thing read online and is accepted as fact. Basically, this is turning into a he said, she said debacle. As most of them do, unfortunately. Which is sad to see. Right. He is the one that actually said 
it is no secret that Mariel and I dated for several months before Warped Tour. Literally the first thing in his statement that isn't just a nice little intro is, we did date. There is romantic history between us. And he says that the relationship was admittedly toxic and unhealthy. So it's, do you really want to lay your dirty laundry out to the world like that? I don't know. I don't know these people, so I can't say for fact, like, what happened. Um, But it's interesting that he also brings up, oh, well, Mariel has a mental illness. And this is bad. And it kind of, let's see. He said he showed compassion, but also frustration that they were caught in a toxic cycle in terms of her mental health. So, I don't know. I guess their relationship ended in March. They had a contract between Candy Hearts, their manager, and himself, um, where he would tour manage the band while simultaneously tour managing Seaway on Warped Tour. And they had a second contract that Candy Hearts would be renting the trailer that Seaway used while Seaway was using a bandwagon with its own trailer. Right. It's interesting that he says that she tried to make things difficult. He is actually pulling in claims of her sexually harassing him. So, I don't know. It's just a lengthy thing that should definitely be read. It is worth reading both sides. And then, let's see here. Ah, yes. Alt Press did say that they published um, Mariel, an interview with Mariel on the 24th. I think this was before they published the statement by Zach Chad. I'm not sure. I don't know. Just things that make me want to bash my head into a wall. I actually read Zach's statement before interviewing a band and my blood was kind of boiling. So I had to keep my cool and not just be like, I hate this scene so much. But yes, then Mariel released a statement as a response to the response. Um... She says, I have been open about suffering from general anxiety disorder, but I have never been diagnosed with bipolar, which is what Zach was saying she had. Right. She then said, I did not want to mention Warped Tour Kevin Lyman because the staff and Kevin Lyman were nothing but helpful and kind. Uh, let's see. She says that she told her story honestly, and I'm skimming this. I'm sorry. We need, like, nice little music to <laughs> fill the blank space, or blank, uh, blank air. Uh, let's see. I don't even think she mentions that it was important to talk about how they dated. Nope. She didn't actually mention that either in this response. So, I don't know. It's long. It's complicated. We do need to take into account that voices shouldn't be silenced about this matter, which we have talked about repeatedly, we should try to make the scene, once again, safer for everyone, even if that means, even if that means females in the scene, in bands, for them to be safe. Yeah, and they shouldn't have to wait, you know, eight, ten months to finally start speaking about these things. It's something that they should be able to openly talk about, you know, pretty much right when it happens this way we can work more towards being able to stop these things because i'm not saying you know they're wrong to wait that long that's totally up to a person when and where they want to start talking about something 
But for those who do want to speak up right away, they shouldn't have to kind of wait until they feel like things have blown over to bring it up and start openly talking about what happened to them because, you know, obviously 10 months after the fact, you there's no action you can take immediately to resolve a situation that happened, you know, 10 months ago just because of that gap in time, basically. So if there are people who want to speak out about these things right away, I think that would even be more of a next step to start trying to stop these things from ever happening in the first place, you know? Right, right. I mean, there's still a stigma with talking about stuff like this. Right. If people go to the police and have allegations of abuse, sometimes they aren't taken seriously. It's something that could be seen as underreported. It's something that, I don't know, I kind of, I'm trying to find the words here. It kind of falls into the, oh, well, she's just crazy. Oh, my God. Like, she's just trying to make my life a living hell. That sort of thing. Which isn't okay either. Honestly, it is not okay to call a girl crazy. Right. Or even allege anything about her mental state. It's actually really hurtful to be called crazy yeah and you know we talk about how people basically have been watching concerts through their cell phones because they're too busy recording to actually kind of just you know turn off their phone and watch a live show which in some cases like this that can actually be really helpful because you know places like warp tour people are filming video non-stop there so you know there's a higher chance that someone could catch these physical assaults on camera. Right. And, you know, that is hard evidence against someone. It's not just he said, she said at that point. So in environments like Warp Tour and everything, I'm not saying, you know, necessarily Warp Tour should have a mobile security system that they can take because Warp Tour is just way too big of a venue to have, you know, like security cameras on every merch tent and that sort of thing or, you know, backstage and whatnot. But if, say, you know, smaller venues started putting security cameras in, that could likely cut down on these things happening at shows. Right. And, I mean, sometimes it's harder to catch stuff like this if it happens behind the scenes like sure there are fans that stand side stage at warped that could probably capture some of the behind the scenes thing but they're too busy focused on what's going on the stage right like they wouldn't think to look at what's going on behind the scenes or it could have even happened on the tour bus or the van where no one would think to film these things right um what strikes me as odd is that no one thought to film what was going on if it actually happened in front of a lot of people. Right. That's sort of baffling to me because, you know, something breaks out. Most people are like pulling out their phones right away to start recording it. And we, we've we obviously seen this happen a lot with, you know, the cops and everything lately and right. their use of excessive force and even, you know, shooting or killing people. So I feel like it's up to us as a whole, you know, the fans, the venues, the bands to work on this together. It's a huge, huge amount of responsibility and everybody should be responsible in some point. Like 
whether it is making sure people are safe or making sure to help others or even making sure to document something if something doesn't look right. Right. It's it's just a tangled web. And honestly, the more I hear about abuse allegations, be it emotional, physical, or sexual, it makes my blood boil so much. I am beginning to just hate the current scene, hate how toxic it is, hate the fact that I am a girl in the scene who has to deal with a bunch of just arrogant bros or has to deal with the sexism that comes with it or has to even feel just slightly uncomfortable. I mean, my rant this week comes off the heels of the very, 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 very short tour that I was on, literally for the weekend. Um, that's a different story altogether. But I was at one particular show where at one point I was literally the only girl that was there. So it was me and a bunch of dudes. And actually, at one point, there were two girls counting myself. So that that still didn't make me feel any better. I just, I don't know, I felt weird and out of place. But thankfully, the dudes that I were with, or I was with, were incredible. And I feel like if I had felt uncomfortable to the point where it was like I knew I was being singled out for being the only girl there... They would have come to my side. They would have defended me. They would have made sure that my safety and well-being was put first over their safety and well-being. Like, that sort of thing. Right. I mean, it also helps that I was specifically one of the dudes, um, which I will probably talk about more in detail for the piece I'm writing for Modern Final. But going back to Candy Hearts and going back to Mariel, she was considered one of the dudes. And I did see a bunch of tweets that said, well, if she was considered one of the dudes, where are the dudes coming up to speak up about this? Which, honestly, I didn't see many. It was definitely more females coming together. I think the whole point of this, me mostly ranting this episode, and I'm sorry, but it's to make sure that everyone is safe and comfortable. Honestly, there is no reason, once again, in 2016, that people should not feel safe and comfortable at shows or out in public, or anywhere. Like, ugh. Right. Well, on that note, why don't we move to a more lighter topic over here? We do have an announcement for you guys. We are going to be starting a book club for the podcast. Basically, it will be part of an episode each month. We will be doing only one book a month, so it shouldn't be too much to keep up with. And, you know, we'll try not to pick, you know, war and peace sized books here because I don't know if I would ever get through that. It is sitting on my shelf. So we will find out one day if I ever read that. Yes, coming soon. <laughs> Modern Vinyl Reads, War and Peace. That would actually be pretty hilarious to try and do, but we will not make you guys suffer through that. Our first book club pick is going to be Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs by Chuck Klosterman. He is a pop culture writer, for those of you who don't know, and a lot of his writing does end up centering around music. So our book picks will be music and pop culture based, since that is the majority of what we talk about on this show. And for this first pick, 
We will be discussing it for our episode at the very, very end of June. I believe the episode will literally go up on June 30th. So you have an entire month to read it. And, you know, our next regular episode, we will probably provide a little update on it. We should hopefully be at least halfway through the book by then. I know Megan and I are pretty big readers, so who knows? We might finish it early. It typically does not take me an entire month to read a book. So, you know, we're going to try and space it out just so everyone can try and keep up. And obviously, since this is our first one, it is going to be our little experiment with this book. The book isn't super long. We will link to it in Amazon for anyone who wants to buy it, follow along with us. And like I mentioned earlier in the episode, since Caitlin is no longer on the podcast, we are going to be trying a few different things out. Right now, we're going to keep it just Megan and I as the hosts for probably the next few episodes, just so we can get a feel of doing it with just the two of us. And every now and then, we will probably have a guest host come on in addition to, you know, the interview episodes that I have been doing. I will continue to do those every other week, hopefully as long as I have, you know, the guests lined up and everything. So hopefully you guys will bear with us through this little experimental period while we work the kinks out of just being a two-house show for the time being. Think of it as like we're going through some growing pains and we're going through that awkward phase of adolescence where it's just it could be a complete disaster and you could look like, well... A walking disaster or it could be one of those great things where you just end up looking as fabulous as a swan it's very much a learning process for the both of us and it'll be interesting to see what kind of happens yeah and we're going to go ahead and wrap it up now with our usual recommendations megan what do you have for us this week the new thrice album the new thrice album is so good oh my gosh it is called uh, let's see i had it to be everywhere is to be nowhere I believe. Yes. I hope. Yes. Yes, I didn't leave out any words. (laughs) I'm notorious for sometimes leaving out words in long titles. But yes, it is a great, great Thrice album. And honestly, I think it's easily a contender for my top 10 albums of the year. Yeah. And I have two recommendations this week. I have yet to listen to that Thrice album. So I will be listening to Megan's recommendation at some point this week. You need to get on it. It's good. Yeah. And... Recently, I just finished reading Sleater Kinney's Dig Me Out from the 33 and a Third series. We've talked about these books before, I'm sure. And, you know, they're short books. I believe this one totals to around 150 pages. And, you know, a good chunk of that is actually going to be notes from the book because these books are highly researched. So basically, there's probably at least a good... 20 to 30 pages of just you know notes from you know took this from this interview this from that interview and lyrics from the album and whatnot but it if you're interested in at all in sort of the thing we've been talking about today and people feeling safe at shows and women feeling safe just being in a band I think this is a really good book to read because you know Slater Kinney was doing this when we didn't have all these people advocating for women in the music industry. They, you know, had to go the rough route for this more so than, 
even today. And today we're still seeing it as a problem. So you can imagine how it was, you know, when Slater Kinney first became a band. But it was a really great book about, you know, how women were treated in the music industry and how Slater Kinney kind of rose above that and still became a popular band. And my second recommendation is The Dream Is Over by Pup, another great album. I don't even know if I have enough words for you guys for this. Just go listen to it. It's great. Oh, it's so good. Like, honestly, I feel like this is our ode to Caitlin, (laughs) which is why this is where we need Caitlin, honestly, because she loves Pup. And this this is a great album. And I'm sure that she would just be talking about how awesome it is. We would need a whole podcast episode just for Pup. Oh, yes. But it's good. It's a very good album. Yes. All right. Well, thank you all for listening as usual. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.